So for the last couple of weeks, I've been working on what I thought was going to be a lesson that I had felt a burden to share today. And my thoughts were really kind of like Sam said this morning, my thoughts were just kind of stirring and over and over, page after page, just writing down. I thought there's no way that I'm going to be able to fit this all into one message, probably not even two or three, and wondering how to bring that to you brothers, and still feeling a burden to bring that to you brothers, but, uh, and that was my intention, but the other night, Thursday night, I guess it would have been maybe even Friday morning, I woke up about four o'clock in the morning, maybe a little before, maybe around three, and I, uh, I, I felt suddenly a, a very heavy conviction laid on my heart. And as I laid there, I felt convicted before God. And I wondered, why does my mind at times seem kind of jumbled up and unclear? I wondered why at times do I read the, I read the word, and it maybe doesn't burn in my heart as much as what it should. And my thoughts went to a number of different things as I laid there. But as I laid there, I felt there was a spirit of conviction that came upon my heart, and I realized that I saw in a way that I maybe had not seen before the sin of pride. And as I laid there, I felt, and I, I, I hope that it's something that all of us brothers experience from time to time. I hope that I'm saying something here that each of you have experienced. And that is, is that when you're, when, when the Spirit of God comes in such a mighty way that you lay there and you know you're in the presence of God and you know that, you know that He's there and all that you feel that you can do is just get down lower and it was probably about four in the morning when I rolled out of bed and I got down on the floor because I didn't feel like I could get any lower. I felt like I had to get lower than what I was. I felt like God was there. And I felt like he was pressing something on my heart. And I realized that, that what I was intending to bring to you today, this just replaced it. It didn't replace it. I still hope to, Lord willing, be able to bring it. But... But I really felt like God came and, and laid something on my heart. And I shared, Kevin, Kevin shared with me on Wednesday morning when we were at breakfast, he mentioned how he had listened to one of the messages here. And I had shared a while back how it's really challenging to be able to feel a burden on your heart and want to transmit that so badly. And at times feeling like maybe it falls to the floor. But there's also a real disappointment whenever you have a burden on your heart and you're not sure that you're going to be able to communicate it the way that you feel it. And it's kind of a two-way street. Whenever the, the, the listeners don't receive it or when you as a speaker don't feel like you can communicate it as clearly as what you feel it. And that's the, kind of the concern that I have today. It's not something that I've given a lot of thought to in the past. It's kind of a new a new thought that is really working and convicting me as I think about it. 
So that being said, uh, I'd like you to keep praying that that the that the Spirit can lay it to your heart as He laid it to my heart that morning. And the only thing I felt like I could do was get down lower on the floor. The only thing I felt like I could do was lie prostrate before God. And if that can be the position of our hearts here in the next week, then I feel like God will have conveyed that message the way that that he would want it to be given. And so, uh, go here to 1 Peter chapter 5 with me. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to read verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And it was specifically that. We've talked about a lot as brothers. This has been something that we've, we've talked a lot about. For God resisteth the proud. And it's a, it's a concern of mine that our struggle with pride may just begin, be beginning. As we grow in the Lord and as we learn his word more and more, and as brothers we grow closer and closer together, the real struggle with pride may be just beginning. There's not much of a, as much of a struggle with pride when you're small and you're weak and you're needy and you don't have a lot to boast in in that. But as things, as, as fruitfulness begins and multiplication begins and success begins and souls are able to hear the gospel and, and receive the gospel, I see that there is, a, there is a potential threat for that. And I even sense that it is among us right now that we are not as humble as what we ought to be. And... So this was, this was pressing on me as I thought about that. And I'd like to just consider a few of the ways that God resists the proud. And my thoughts went, I, I don't have, I didn't write any of this down, so I'm going to have to just go bear with me as I try to find it. But I'm going to go to Daniel. Thinking about the different ways that God resists the proud. And if we think about Nebuchadnezzar here in, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 28, it says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, And his body was wet with the dew of heaven 
till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. I'm going to turn to Esther, the book of Esther. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this. From Esther chapter 6, verse 6. I'm going to back up, verse 4. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman was coming to the outward court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's servants said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, To whom the, would the king delight to do honor more than my, to myself? And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man withal with whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste, and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew, that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken." When God resists a proud man, we just receive two pictures of what that can look like. And we can go to, we could think about Korah and we could think about his men and they come before Moses and they say, Moses, you're taking too much on yourself. There's no reason why we can't do what you're doing. And they were proud men and they came there in their pride. And God resisted them by opening up the ground and swallowing them. We could think of Balaam, and I believe that Balaam was a proud man, and whenever the, um, the king, the Moabite king there, if I'm remembering correctly, he called for Balaam, and he wanted Balaam to come and curse the, the children of Israel. And Balaam said, we, we know the story, but basically, God came and said, don't, don't do it. They came back another time, maybe even with a little bit higher price, willing to pay a little bit more, and he sought the Lord again, and he really wanted to get his hands on that money. And God finally said, okay, go ahead and go, but everything that I tell you to speak, that's what you're going to speak. And in the way, he started going, and he's riding on a donkey, and God stood in his way to resist him. God stood in his way to stop him. And Balaam didn't see it. And it took, it took an, a donkey speaking to try to, to get his attention. But God was in the way resisting him. And it took a donkey smashing his foot up against the wall. And it took a donkey laying down. And it took a donkey finally speaking and saying, what are you doing? And the blindness of pride. Here's a man, Nebuchadnezzar, who he looks at this great kingdom and says, see what I've done. See what I've done for my glory and for my honor. Look at what I have created here. And then in that moment, God comes and says, it's gone from you. And 
I think that ought to be horrifying to us. I think that ought to be horrifying to us to think of the ground opening, to think of this man suddenly being struck with craziness and wandering in for seven years out in the wilderness because he was proud. I think it ought to horrify us when we look at Haman and we see Haman conniving and planning because Mordecai didn't stand up when he thought he should have stood up. He didn't give him obeisance when he thought that he should receive obeisance. And he was such a proud man that he devised in his mind, I'm going to hang him. I'm going to kill him. I'm the second powerful, second most powerful man here in this kingdom. I can get this done. I can accomplish this. And the blindness of his pride when the king, and I just, I, I, I marvel at the, at how God can actually resist a man. How he can orchestrate that in such a way that can utterly humiliate him can utterly take him down to where he's not just embarrassed, but entirely dethroned. And, and those are pretty clear examples of, of being resisted by God. Those are pretty clear examples of what it looks like to be resisted of God. It says about Sodom... The, the sins of Sodom, that for these sins they were destroyed. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the first one listed was pride. When God resisted them, he sent down hailstones of, of fire and brimstone and utterly destroyed them because of pride. But that's not what really scared me. That's not really what scared me Thursday night or Friday morning while I was laying there in bed. It wasn't those examples that scared me. I wasn't laying in my bed worried about the ground opening up and swallowing me down. I wasn't worried about that for you brothers or sisters. I wasn't worried that suddenly hailstone and fire was going to fall from the sky and one of you were going to be utterly destroyed. I wasn't worried as I sat there and thought about one of you going off in the woods for seven years, clawing at the ground like a, a beast, being wet with the dew of heaven. That's not what I was worried about. What I was worried about was what we read about in Revelations chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. 
what I was worried about, what I couldn't get low enough on the ground for, was that that second way that God has chosen to resist man. He doesn't swallow everybody up that is proud. He doesn't burn everybody up that's proud. One way that God resists man is in such a way that they don't even know it. And that horrified me. Far scarier, I think, of being resisted by God and not know it. And we read there, it says, God resisteth the proud. And I... I think that we get in our minds sometimes we know that we're proud. We can see pride in our hearts. And we look around and we say, well, the sky's not falling. The ground's not opening. I'm not wandering out like Nebuchadnezzar. And what we don't understand is is that God resists the proud. Not sometimes, not occasionally, not every once in a while, not when pride reaches to a certain limit. God resists the proud. And if the sky isn't falling, and if the ground's not opening, if the fire is not coming down upon you, it doesn't mean that God's not resisting you. It means that you don't know it. We think that we can have a little bit of pride in our hearts. We think that we can have a little bit of, we can occupy it just a little bit. But God is resisting us, and we don't know it. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Do you know what I mean by that when you're going through the day and your mind doesn't seem very clear? Your mind's jumbled up. You don't seem like you can hardly have a clear thought. And I understand that there are circumstances at times where that's just realistic. And I'm not saying that just because our thoughts seem to be scattered for a day necessarily that it's God resisting us. But I do have to wonder, could it be that God is resisting us? You wake up in the morning or you go through a week and you think, you know, I didn't really have any hunger for the Word of God this week. I didn't really have 
much desire. I wasn't in the Word very much this week. And could it be that that is God's way of resisting you? See, we think we're in control of these things. We think that we have our scheduling and we have the ability to hunger after the Word or not hunger after the Word. But these are gifts that are given by God. It's a gift of God to hunger after the Word of God. It's a gift of God to be able to have a clear mind and to be able to put thoughts together and to be able to know where we're going and what we need to be doing. And and do we understand that that's a gift from God and when it's not there, do we understand that that could be God resisting us? And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How will you give yourself a hunger for the Word of God? How will you clear your mind? Do you ever fall before God in prayer and you feel as if you, you can't even pray? Your prayers are scattered. And I understand that there are times when our hearts are so burdened and pressed that we, the Spirit makes utterance for us. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we're dry. We don't hardly have even a desire to pray. We don't know what we'd ask if we did. When we do fall on our knees, we're thinking about other things. And we don't know that we are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. God gives us over to our own ways, and we dry up in prayer, and we dry up in our Bible reading, and we dry up in our pleading for souls. And I believe it's a way that God resists us, and I believe it's a way that we don't we don't see that. To me personally, the scariest way to be resisted by God is for God to let me go down my own way and never call me back. The thought of God letting me walk down a path and giving me a sunny day, giving me beautiful scenery, giving me a nice, easy path, and not cry out to me is far scarier than him opening the ground in front of me and saying, you better fall down and repent. Because there's not very men that will be walking like these Laodiceans here. They've got everything that they need. We look at proud men today and we wonder, Lord, why don't you open up the ground and swallow them? And I believe he's doing something worse. He's letting them just go down an easy way. And it's never even crossing their mind to stop and repent. It's never crossing their mind to, to halt and say, what am I doing? God has paved this way, and he says, go, go for it. I'm not going to call you back. Go your own way. If you want to be proud against me, if you want to be confident in your own ways, if you think you can handle this, go ahead and go. And there is a way to be resisted of God that I think is far more horrifying than the ground opening up. And I think we see that. Because we can look at proud men, and we can look at even ourselves. And I hope that that's really where the, the, the focus is going to be laid at here. Because we haven't got there yet. If there's pride in a man's heart, if there's pride in a woman's heart, he's not getting away with it. He's not getting away with it. 
just because the ground's opening up doesn't mean he's getting away with it. God is resisting him, but he has possibly, probably likely, he's put him on a path, and it seems like he's got the world by the tail. Everything goes good for this guy. He's successful, he's prosperous, he's, he's, he's popular, he's got the world by the tail. And he doesn't know that God is resisting him. We look at our businesses and we think we're so busy and we don't like it. We want to change it. We want to redirect it. We want to, we want to get a hold of it. We want to say, I want to spend more time in the word. I want to get a better handle on this thing. And this thing has created itself now and it's a machine that you can't stop. You can't stop this thing. It could be it's God's way of resisting us. We wonder sometimes, God, why don't I feel you? Why don't I feel you? Why, why don't you seem to be there? It could be that it's God resisting us. He's trying to get a hold of us. He's trying to open our eyes. He's trying to put his finger on our heart. You're proud. You're proud. I have to wonder, brothers, how many blessings God is holding back from us because of pride that we just don't feel serious. We don't feel the weight of it enough because the sky's not opening. We think we're getting away with it. But there's converts that aren't coming in. Our messages fall to the ground and are powerless. I'm not saying this is always what it's like. But do we understand that God could be resisting us in ways that we never even begin to fathom or know and that there's actually other souls that can be suffering and dying and falling into the pit of hell as well and that we're heaping up greater and greater and greater damnation upon our own souls because we allow pride to dwell in our hearts? Like, can we actually live with that? Can we actually tolerate having that kind of pride in our hearts? While there's souls and we say, meh, meh, I don't know. I guess they're just not interested. They'd rather spend time on their smartphones. They'd rather spend time on their iPads. But could it be that God's resisting us, knowing that if he actually did send souls and more souls, and he actually, that, that guy couldn't handle it. I'd have to open the ground and swallow him up. He'd be so stinking proud. I'd have to cast down fire from heaven. He couldn't, he couldn't handle it. Do we know how much our pride actually hinders the gospel and the preaching of the word? Because God says, I can't, I can't let that guy get any higher. I'd have to swallow him up. I resist the proud every single time. There's not an ounce of pride in you that's not being resisted by God. It's just that you don't know it, and I don't know it. That's the problem. And so there's souls that are dying. There's souls that are. And it could be on us. That damnation could be on us. We don't know the blessing that's being withheld when we don't know that God is resisting us. It's only when we begin to recognize and realize that God is resisting me. That's why when I sit down to come up with 
a message and I can't even think straight. God is resisting me and we need to humble ourselves. I'm not going to talk about all the different ways that pride manifests itself in our lives. I think we're somewhat familiar with it. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, each of us can identify it in our hearts. And my prayer is, is that the burden that came upon me that morning, and even this morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, that it would also come upon you. And that we as brothers as it says here in verse 6 of where we started, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 